Welcome to the Zanbergen Report, where wealth strategies and pop culture collide, featuring your distinguished host and certified financial planner, Bart Zandbergen. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm happy to be in studio today with my good friend and fellow podcast host, Scott Heinela of the Optimized Advisor Podcast, and Nick Jordan from the Wells of Life. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Good morning, Bart. Good morning. Good morning. It's good to be here. It's good to be here again with you, Mr. Bart Sandbergen. It's good to be here and with you. It's good to be present, right? Yes, good to be present. And thank you, Nick, for joining us. It's a pleasure, Scott. Looking Entertain us it. a little bit about what Wells of Life is, how you make a difference in the world. I'd like to learn how you got into this a little bit and uh, how others can make a difference. Well, I'd be delighted to give you the, the short version because... Uh, an Irishman is incapable of giving a short anything. It would, <laughs> we would need a long time. But the reality is that many moons ago, I actually knew of Bart through his professional career. I actually had a real estate company in Laguna Beach. Right. And I am the quintessential overnight success Irishman that arrived here seeing the streets paved of gold, only mm -hmm. to find out that you actually had to work for a living. After about 15 years, I had built a real estate company been very fortunate uh, to do well in it during the early years and uh, managed to build some schools. And when I say managed to build some schools, raise some funds for schools in Africa. Now, they happened to be in Uganda because I knew of a charity that was Irish based. And candidly, if you had asked me to find Uganda on a map of Africa, I wouldn't have been able to do it because that was not in my wheelhouse. Right. But I had occasion to take a trip to Africa and Uganda in 2008. And uh, because both of your experience in insurance and finance, you know that there was a real estate recession back in 2008. <laughs> yeah. And it was quite... Uh, there was? Cataclysmic. <laughs> I think catastrophic and we could use a lot of adjectives. But um, I was one of those little guys that uh, got you know blown away in the wind. Right. Uh, meaning that I lost uh, the majority of my fortune at that time and um, didn't have a lot of work to do because essentially there was not a lot of work in real estate back in 2008. Right. So as uh, luck would have it, and maybe as God provided, I got an opportunity to go to Africa and ended up in Uganda in 2008. And that's really where everything began, uh, both for a second season in my life and for the beginnings of Wells of Life. And you can stop me at any point because you know, I want to keep the story short, but right. the reality, I had an opportunity to uh, dedicate a school. It was dedicated uh, to my late sister uh, who died in 2000 from cancer. And just at the time of the dedication, I was standing by the, basically by the source of the Nile River, that mighty Nile historic river. Mm -hmm. I had a moment of reflection and I would call it a moment of Holy Spirit clarity. And I basically thought, how can there not be water available? to those that need it in this country. Right. And that was really the beginning of my journey to found an organization that's now known as Wells of Life that's very close to bringing water to one million people. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. I mean, I need before you say the next thing, I'll just say, yep. need not worry. Nor Bart or I will be bashful. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I'm delighted to be here, uh, you know, in an atmosphere <laughs> where, you know, we can have this in the form of a conversation because, you know, to me, there's no right or wrong answers. This is just one man's uh, sharing, you know, what happened to him. And there's probably more downside than good side in my life. But the reality is I'm here today 
to be able to speak about uh, the gift of giving water, its life-saving ability, and the power that it actually brings in the lives of those that receive it. And just to put the icing on the cake, the amazing uh, give back that those who give actually receive. And I could tell you stories from morning to night about how many people are delighted that they actually gave to Wells of Light because it actually changed their life. Amen to you. Yeah. You know, Scott and I um, are both big believers and have done a show on state of mind. And to your point, you know, your your history, everything happened for a reason, as we know. And if it was not for what had happened in your history, you wouldn't have met, ended up in Africa. You would not have created this. So, you know, yeah, it's good to hear good that on you. because that really is the truth. Yeah. yeah. I mean, to take that tragedy and turn it into life's greatest blessing as a mindset. Yeah. That's a pretty special thing. That is for sure. Hey, we spoke a little bit off camera, and it was really interesting to me. Let's talk, um, Nick, your kind of interpretation of charity versus philanthropy. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it really is an important issue for me, um, and I'm just going to come right out there and say it. Um, I don't actually use or particularly care for the word charity. And the reason for that is that, you know, my uh, the connotation that charity has to me is that, you know, I have more than you. Bart or Scott, and I need to give you something to make me feel better. And you, uh, frankly, need to receive it because it, it's going to be something that will better your life. That's not what hmm. the, the work of Wells of Life is about. Uh, charity and philanthropy, interchangeable words, is a relatively new uh, phenomena. It really began, the very earliest charity was in 1847. It's called the Peabody Education Foundation. Now, that's in relative terms of how old our civilization is. That's quite new. Mm-hmm. But the real giving only began in 1900 to 1920 when the steel magnate Andrew Carnegie and John D. Rockefeller began giving large amounts of money uh, with a social conscience for the betterment of others. Now, that certainly changed the world for you know millions of people. And today... You know, we have the modern day Rockefellers and Carnegie's in the form of Bezos, Gates. Gates, I mean, you can go down the list. There's probably 10 Zuckerberg that I could quickly name off that have fortunes that dwarf what Andrew Carnegie had as the richest man in the world way back when in 1900. So we believe that when you give the gift of water, and again, as a Christian organization, we candidly say we give this water in Jesus name. We don't make it about ourselves, and we don't make it about the donor. So what actually happens as a result of that giving is that the giver receives far more back in return. Now, how could that possibly be? I mean, they don't get a check from Uganda, last time I checked. (laughs) But what they receive is the knowledge that their donation has actually not just saved the lives of a small number of people, but as many as a 1,000 people per community for a donation. That, to me wipes out the word charity and it equals the playing field because I have so many stories of people that have large wealth that realized they couldn't take it with them. And it was a shock. I say that with a straight face because I think we all know that you cannot take it with you. And the only thing we'll really be remembered for is what we left behind and what we actually gave in the form of um, service. So I'm going to use the word service and that's the best answer I can give you, Scott. Everybody can use the word charity. I mean, it's obviously it's the term that is you know best known, but I'm going to say we give the serve we give in the service of others. Mm-hmm. I mean, the gift of life. Yeah, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting thought pattern 
Did you read the definition which I was pulling up here? Yeah. I was not responding to the text, gentlemen. <laughs> uh, the definition of charity, generosity and helpfulness, especially toward the needy or suffering. The other one would be an institution engaged in the relief of the poor. You know, you hear often, I don't, the statement, I don't need your charity. Right. I don't want your charity. I'm going to go it alone. I'm going to do it on my own because mm-hmm. of pride and ego and independence and all of those things where you use the word philanthropy. And I think it it, it has the, the connotation of just this kind of loving willingness gift of fill Ex- in the blank. An exchange. But let yeah. me just take very briefly a quick second caught at that in the sense that where I came to find this to be true is when I traveled to Uganda and we take uh, donor trips and staff trips several times a year. In fact, we have one leaving on Monday. So uh, through five or six different trips, the exchange and interaction with the community when you actually get there removes any doubt that you are the one that's doing the giving Mm. because the depth of faith that exists in Uganda that I've seen far dwarfs anything that I have ever seen here in the United States. Mm. Faith is the actual muscle that keeps people alive in Uganda because they have no means of generating an income. They have no means of even feeding their family except on a subsistence day-to-day basis. Mm. So when our donors get to experience firsthand the power of faith, trust me when I tell you this, the gift that they take home to their everyday lives here in the United States Mm. far outweighs any check they've ever written. Simple example, the president of Wells of Life uh, had a very large law firm in Irvine uh, 12 years ago when we first met on St. Patrick's Day at an Irish function. I was not drinking. I was not inebriated. I was actually quite sober. But he, How I could that be? He had a few drinks. And he accosted me with a rather large finger right into my chest that said, listen, I hear that your charity drills wells, and I'm going to give you a check before I leave tonight, and I'm going to go to Uganda. And if that well isn't where it's supposed to be, I'm going to return. He said, my law firm is going to shut down your little game and you're going to spend some time in prison. That was in the first five minutes of meeting the man. So let me fast forward to today. Pete Callahan is the president of the Board of Wells of Life. Mm. Pete Callahan is the largest donor to Wells of Life. Pete Callahan will go anywhere at any time to speak to anybody about his passion to spend the rest of his life working for Wells of Life. And all of that happened when he went there. There's a famous quote that he said, I wish I had learned about this opportunity 30 years ago because it changed the entire direction of my life. Mm. And that's just one story of probably 20 that I could tell you about how powerful what our donors receive really is, because it, it can change your life when you see the yeah. power of giving. Yeah. You know, you've, you, you've obviously been there many times. Right. I would question this, you, using the word poor from the definition. Right. What kind of um, mindset do you find the people that this venture is serving uh, in Uganda and the other villages that you, I mean, I, I, my, my point in this is I would say some of the poorest people are probably also the most proud. Certainly. And, and so and, del- dealing with that right. sometimes may have it own, its own challenges. Well, let me just tell you, first of all, the country of Uganda is essentially the same population as California. It's got about 42 million people. There's about approximately 18 million people in that country that lack water. Now, it's, it's hard to say those words without adding an additional. What does lacking water mean? Mm-hmm. It just means that your entire life is driven by the engine 
of not having access to what keeps you alive and that you're working on a daily basis to forage for, for probably most likely dirty infected water that you bring home in a 40 gallon jerry can maybe twice a day because that's all you have. And that's the mindset that exists there. So the only thing that you can do in that situation is one, hope and pray. And as you get older, you quickly start to lose hope mm. and the darkness starts to envelop and close in on your life. And that gentleman is the definition of poverty, mm. not having any hope, not having any opportunity. So when a little organization called Wells of Life reaches out and does a survey and finds that they can provide water, I don't have the words to explain to you what that actually means emotionally for a community of up to a thousand people. Mm. What it actually means to mothers is that they already know that their children's lives are going to be saved and bettered because somebody like Bart or Scott or Annie or Nick or Peter cared enough to just write a check so they can receive the gift of water. Mm. Now, the add on to that is if you really want to receive what I consider to be the most incredible hug on this side of heaven, come with me to Uganda, meet a mother whose life you have effectively saved by making a donation. You will never experience hmm. anything that communicates love hmm. greater than when that mother hugs you. She doesn't have any English to communicate with you, yeah. but you'll be left in no doubt that she's thanking you on behalf of her entire family. I don't think it gets any better than that gentleman. Yeah. That's, that's the big prize in my yeah. opinion right now that means the most to, to people who have it all. And, yeah. and let's face it, you're talking to people who have it all in terms of monetary achievement. Right. Right. They've achieved the top of their you know, profession. And I know plenty of them. And candidly, there's two, there's two forks in that road. Now, I wasn't a mega wealthy person when I left, you know, obviously for Uganda, but I knew what wealth was. I knew what a private airplane was, and I knew what you know, a, a very nice evening out where you didn't have to worry about the checkbook. Now, none of that mattered in Uganda. It actually, it evaporated so quickly because reality took place that one in seven people in the world today lack water. There's one billion people lacking water in a world that has everything. That's We're amazing. able to send people to wow. Mars. We're able to send people anywhere you want. We have the answer to everything. Mr. Google will tell you the answer in two seconds. <laughs> it may not be a very knowledgeable answer, but it is the answer. Mm -hmm. And yet we have the biggest problem the world has ever faced and we can solve it, but we haven't. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. You know, Scott and I are big believers in, you know, there's wealth and then there's true wealth. And true wealth is many things beyond just financial abundance. And one of which is service, yes. legacy. And I think this falls right into that, to that step or that yeah. pillar. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it's also one of those things. I mean, we're worried about alkaline water and you know <laughs> yeah you know it, it, makes you feel really ridiculous it really right? does you know <laughs> in, in fairness it's it's something did you that, check the ph of that bart was that was that the right ph yeah now you're just making me feel bad <laughs> exactly <laughs> that's part of my job as the ceo of wells of life to make sure that i grab you however me yeah. whatever means is necessary how about um can you talk to me as if i'm a third grader here so um uganda has underground water in random yeah. places aquifers and aquifers aquifers yeah. Yeah. okay and then your your expertise within the organization knows how to find it and then drill for it that's what's most staggering to me it's like the water is right beneath your feet right 
That's the tragedy. So let me expand on that because I get the opportunity to speak to a lot of classes, a lot of kids. And you know, candidly, I much prefer to speak to kids than adults. <laughs> I'll tell you why, yeah. because it doesn't take a young boy or a girl of seven or eight long to figure out, I can actually help. I can actually do something. They don't analyze it. They don't send it to their you know, financial CPA and everybody else to make a decision. They know that if they can help somebody live, they're going to do it. So the question, the answer to your question is, there's an abundance of water on the continent of Africa, and it's in underground streams or aquifers, as we call them. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, there's only 50 feet between that child that's wow. dying and the water that will save them. Now, how can you look at that situation and not say, I want to do something about that? That's amazing. Because that's what I screamed to myself when I stood there on the source of the Nile, not knowing anything about water other than when you opened it, faucet, the water came out. Yeah. I had no clue. Gentlemen, I grew up in Ireland where water was not an issue. In fact, it rained 244 days out of the year. <laughs> so water was not, you know, in yeah. my wheelhouse. Yeah. Right. But yet when I watched uh, mothers hauling water on their heads, 40 pounds of it, it took me back to when I was four years old. And that's a long time ago. At four years old, I walked with my mother to haul water from a well to our farmhouse. It's amazing what you remember. But I do believe that, you know, the Holy Spirit put that image in my mind and kept it safe there for many decades until I'm in Uganda. I see mothers carrying water and I know very clearly the physicality of what that takes out of a person Mm. hauling 40 pounds of water on their head. Now, the water is there and it's the most glorious opportunity in two weeks. We can drill a well, case a well, and basically hand a well over to the community. And that water well in and of itself will do a few things. Let me just give you the most startling statistic. That water well is going to lower infant mortality 50% in the first 90 days. Now, if that's all it ever did, wouldn't that be an incredible return (laughs) on your investment and on your clients and friends and associates' investment? Because that's as good as money can be and that's as much as money can do. Save one life, and you've made a huge difference. We're saving tens of thousands of children's lives every year as we close in on bringing water to a million people. Now, I keep mentioning a million, so let me just tell you where that came from. So back in 2008, standing by the source of the Nile, having my moment of reflection, and I think to myself, I got to do something here. You know, I can't go back to Laguna Beach and just, you know, put this on a shelf and think, oh, you know, that was a horrible experience. I'm so sorry for these people. I mean, how can they live like that? Well, I said I could do that, or I could go back and say, i got to do something about this, which is what happened, and it took a couple of years you know, to get everything set up and started. But I basically thought, I'm going to bring water to a million people. And those words were actually out of my mouth and on a page before I actually could even catch myself. Hmm. And I joke, because you guys are numbers-driven, I'm thinking, if I had just dropped that last zero, we would have been in good shape by now. Mm-hmm. Because 100 versus 1,000 is a big difference. Right, yeah. So this is our big year, 2022. We are going to have our phenomenal big Lugano Diamonds Gala in um, Newport Beach on the 5th of November. And we are going to celebrate, gentlemen, and I'm putting it right out here on your airways right now. We're going to celebrate that we will reach the 1 million person with the gift of water by that gala. Mm. Wow. It's a lot of people. Congratulations. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. That's exceptional. We were talking a little bit about this early on that you is interesting because you you hand selected, I would say, one of the most challenging geographic locations <laughs> to start this journey. 
How and why? I don't think you know what you're getting into, Scott. You know, when you just foolishly or maybe just boldly or maybe with faith step forward to an opportunity. I right. didn't know what was waiting in Uganda. And I sure as heck didn't know what was waiting in the next 10 years because there's easier ways to make a living. There's easier ways to live your life, I can assure you. <laughs> because asking people for money uh, for children who they'll never see three continents away is not an easy, an e easy situation. Mm. But I did see that if you take on the challenge of being the best that you can be, of setting the standard as a organization, we're basically called an NGO, a non-governmental organization. If you set the standard so high, it'll draw everybody towards you because knowledge is what we are collecting. Right. The world is full of information. Honestly, people know the, the price of everything and candidly the value of not very much. So we're building a scalable model at Wells of Life. We've been at it now for five years. What is that supposed to be? Well, here's the deal. We're going to reach a million people. That's a bit short of a billion, I would submit to you, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. And we're not here to solve the world water crisis, but we're here to actually leverage and scale up our operation to where, I don't know Bill Gates personally, and I don't believe he has my phone number, but I know that there's possibly people that are on the other end of this broadcast that possibly know of him or associated with him. And I'm ready to say to Mr. Gates, I'm ready for that billion dollars, one of the 20 you just donated to the Gates Foundation. Because if we don't solve the world water crisis, all of the other problems that exist are going to eat us alive. And water is the center of the wheel. It's the problem that if you solve it, so many other dominoes will actually fall. And now that's not a new phenomena, but candidly, we must solve the world water crisis and if we can do nothing except bring water as a basic human right to all people on earth, then, I mean, I don't really have the words to say anything more. That's mm. what we can do. And if we can do something, why not do it? Why not take the opportunity to just simply say how powerful it is to have a world where everybody has access to water yeah. and how uniting a force that idea would be. Right. So you've said world a number of times. Is that the vision? Yes, Uganda the, is the starting point and expanding. Very good, very good, uh, Bart. It is the absolute long game here. Um, I didn't commit for two years or five years or ten years. I dedicated the rest of my life to essentially building a vehicle that will solve the world water crisis and bring water to every person on Earth. 7.2 or 3 billion people uh, live on the Earth today and, and are growing rapidly in Africa. But we can solve this water crisis by simply harnessing, not even the generosity, because it's not always about money. Here's what I'm asking and hoping and praying to harness. The compassion of people and the empathy of people that will simply say, I can do that. I can save that child's life. And if I can save one child's life, I have the means to save a thousand. And if we reach the point of, with a thousand water wells and a thousand communities in Uganda, we can simply show another thousand NGOs that they can do the same thing using our scalable plan, our blueprint, our knowledge, and then simply go and do it. And within two decades, in 20 years, we will have a world where water is available to all people. I truly believe that if we simply step forward and take that on as a challenge. So an, an, a well can serve, what, a thousand? An average of a thousand people. Okay. Okay. And it's a large number of people. I mean, a thousand people obviously drawing water from one source. That's, that's a large number of people on a daily basis receiving water. 
and yeah. it's clean water. I have to tell you, Bart, what we're going to draw from that aquifer is most definitely it's going to be as clear and as good as that beautiful pH alkaline water or whatever it is that you got in that <laughs> container. That's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> now, what about, what about before this birth of Wells of Life? What kind of wells did did Uganda or Africa have already there? And I imagine many of these just stopped working or what, what happens yeah. there? Tell you very quickly, uh, drilling wells has been around since the Chinese invented the percussion method 3,000 years ago. There's nothing new about it. You simply drill a hole in the earth, you put a, a pump at the bottom and you basically have a hand pump. Right. So for the most part, you have quite a few hand wells, hand pump wells across the, across the country right. and across the continent. Right. You're kind of teeing up something that I wasn't going to say, but now I am going to say it. You know, things have to be done properly with high specs and high standards if they're right. going to last. And right. you guys live in a world where what you do with your clients is built to last. It's not a quick fix. Right. There's 40% of wells that are drilled on the continent of Africa, break and are abandoned after just two years. Oh. I don't have the time to get into, you know, all of the reasons why, but I can tell you this. Unless you're a Wells of Life, unless you're in this business to be there for the duration, unless you teach and educate communities on how to use water, how to fix wells, how to basically be their own um, answer to their own problems, you're only putting a Band-Aid on a problem. We're not putting Band-Aids on because we're believing that in one year to two, we're going to build a training and visitor center in Uganda. In fact, we have the ground cleared and we have a property secured just outside of Kampala, mm. where we want to teach and educate young people, men and women, how to fix their own wells, how to be uh, water access, hygiene and sanitation officers, and how Bart and Scott and I can get on an airplane and bring a few of your clients and open up the world to them where they'll see what their money is actually doing mm -hmm. firsthand. Because gentlemen, the world is full of charities that want to take your money. They're happy to take it. Yeah. But they don't always come back to you and say, this is what your money did. This is the result. I can give you the result in lives saved or in millions of gallons provided of water. Right. You take your pick. I'll take the lives saved. Mm -hmm. And that is what money and that's what the leverage of money should provide. Results that are verifiable and quantifiable, not a well that works for two two years and is abandoned. Mm. So when I say we're setting a gold standard for what the work uh, a welling a well drilling organization should do, I sincerely mean that because we have a staff of 20 on the ground in Uganda. A lot of charities raise money here and send it to an organization there without fully knowing what's going to happen. I can tell you right now, if you asked me to pull out a spreadsheet, I could tell you how well number 562 is doing. In fact, I could tell you how well number one is doing that was drilled in February 2010. And the reason I have to do that is because I won't take your money if I can't put my head on the pillow at night and know that it's actually going to do the good that I promised you and your client that it's actually going to do. Plus, you don't want Peter to come and sue you. I really don't. He still, <laughs> he, he still struck fear into my heart. <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, hey, Nick, I have a question for you. So you've, uh, as we're getting close to the end of time, so you've, you've had a fulfilled life and changes in your life. So what has been your ultimate lesson learned, either through Wells of Life or just life in general? <laughs> oh, maybe in one second or one minute or less. The reality I've learned is that, that success comes at a price. Uh, there's nothing easy about uh, getting to the top of the hill. And uh, persistence is the, the only real muscle that's of value that's going to get a person there. Sticking with it and believing 
that uh, enough hours and enough effort is going to reach the success that you know you believe is worthwhile. And then knowing it's not about me, it's not about one person at Wells of Life. This is about right now 3,400 donors. This is about humanity being able to to basically share the gift of water, uh, you know, as we say in Jesus' name, with that opportunity. And I believe what I've learned most is to just step back and let other people uh, take a role here. Uh, Wells of Life is going to become one of the global brands when it comes to providing water and access to uh, hygiene and sanitation. And I believe it's a miracle that's going to happen. And I believe it's going to be possible in, in the not too distant future. Cheers to you. That's great. Thanks, That's guys. That's great. How can people find out about your gala? Okay, a couple of things. Uh, we have a beautiful website. It's wellsoflife.org. Going to do something that you're probably going to joke and laugh about afterwards. I'm going to give out my personal cell phone. I want to talk with anybody that's got time for a cup of coffee, a cup of milk, a cup of wine, a cup of beer, whatever. A cup of water. What about a Guinness? A uh, Guinness would work too, and I'll be happy to buy it because all I need is about half an hour with somebody's time. My number is 949-584-6166. Our gala is a VIP invitation only. We only have 100 guests. I'd love to be that person that would invite you personally. Uh, you can get that information from me and from calling my telephone number. And uh, we're going to raise uh, a not, sub- not too substantial $1.5 million. We're going to reach our 1 million person. And honestly, we're going to inspire 100 people to, uh, to do something that's, uh, that's just needing to be done, bring mm-hmm. water to people that need it. And in the meantime, we're going to have one phenomenal night because being Irish, we won't do anything without having fun, <laughs> kick, kicking up our heels and... As my friend Scott here said, yes, we might even have a keg of Guinness on tap. <laughs> Logano's a great partner, too. <laughs> there are. Scott, anything you need to say in closing? Jameson or Guinness? I'm not allowed. Oh, gosh, you just <laughs> teed this one up too high. You know what? Jameson is a, is a good Protestant whiskey. And being an Irish Catholic, you know, raised by the nuns, it would be against my religion to drink anything other than Guinness. So now you asked and I've told you. There you go. (laughs) It has to be Guinness and good, flowing, creamy Guinness at that. And that's it. I'm done. All right. That was the important question. (laughs) Well, guys, thanks for for your time, Nick. This was was very educational, inspirational, motivational. Very impressed with what you've done. And heartfelt. Thanks, Mark. Thank you, Scott. Thanks all who have tuned uh, tuned in and look forward to being back in the studio again next week. Tune in next week for the latest edition of the Zanbergen Report, Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Catch up on our recent shows by visiting podcast.bartzanbergen.com. The Zanbergen Report is also available on iTunes, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Interested in being a featured guest on our show or have a question you'd like to hear us answer? Email podcast at bartzanbergen.com. The contents of this podcast episode do not constitute an offer of securities or a solicitation of an offer to buy securities and may not be relied upon in making an investment decision related to any investment offering Access Wealth Management LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Access does not warrant the accuracy or completeness of the information contained herein. Opinions are our current opinions and are subject to change without notice. Prices, quotes, rates are subject to change without notice. Generally, investments are not FDIC insured, not bank guaranteed and may lose value.